a journey. And if you're not enjoying mm-hmm. what you're doing, you're going to fail. You know, you have to enjoy the process. You're not always going to want to do it. But um, if you know that you're at least going to enjoy it when you're in it, then it makes the process a lot easier. Welcome to the Fit Diaries podcast with your host, Claudius Osei. Real success stories from real people with a sharp focus on revealing the tips and tricks that will make you the next success story. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Fit Podcast, where we take an inside look into the stories of real people accomplishing amazing things in health and fitness. Today's guest is a fitness professional who started her journey as an overweight child. Being overweight led her to become a fitness coach and competitor. Unfortunately, her competitive aspirations turned into an eating disorder she struggled to overcome for years. Discover how simple behavioral framework can help you overcome anything from overeating to lack of motivation for exercise. With no further ado, please welcome Tanya Silva. Welcome, Tanya, to the Fit Podcast. Happy to have you on. Oh, thank you so much. I'm happy to be on. Yeah, and before we um, get into your story, tell the listeners a little bit, little bit about yourself and the people that inspire you to be healthy. Well, that's a good question. <laughs> um, well, I'm a, I'm a master trainer. I train people. Uh, half the time, the other time, I do online coaching. And um, fitness has, I've been fortunate to be introduced into fitness uh, since um, probably preteen years. And um, I think throughout the course, I just, you, you find different mentors during different phases of your journey. Um, and I mean, I get inspired every day by people that I work with, like you, Claudius, um, you know, and maybe uh, even students, and I, I can't really give a direct answer because I just took a yoga class this morning, and um, this guy, Philip, who teaches, I've been hooked on his stuff, and he's, like, been an inspiration on his own. So I try to find inspiration and motivation by, um, I guess, just um, observing more. But uh, I know Todd Durkin's always been, uh, an inspiration for me to kind of give, if I have to call a name out. Um, he lives over in California, and so... Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just try to. Who is he? Todd Durkin. He owns a Fitness Quest Town. He's over in California. He's just he's just so inspiring. I mean, if you go near him, you just want to become a better person. You know, there mm-hmm. were um, when I first started um, getting into the, this industry with personal training. Um, Carlos Santana was big. Um, Juan Carlos Santana was a huge inspiration for me when it came to like actually understanding movement and understanding the functional side of movement um it being more you know coming from an athletic background um really understanding how you can implement that fun and play with strength and conditioning so um he really opened up my mind is it's not just a one-way street when it comes to um movement you know and enjoying movement and enjoying your body um, and having fun with it and playing. So uh, this is the two that come to mind. I mean, there's so many people I don't, I want to like not say, but, uh, um, no, that's yeah. <laughs> definitely plenty. And it's like you said, it's so important that you enjoy what you're doing. So anybody who, who teaches the way to work out that, that kind of goes by 
what you enjoy that it's always helpful so that way you're more inclined to stay with the workout and stay with your healthy routine as opposed to doing something you just do in order to get fit for a couple a couple of weeks for the summer or something. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's long-term. It's a, it's a journey. You know, like it, that work on its own is ongoing. And, and if you're not enjoying mm-hmm. what you're doing, you're going to fail. You know, you have to enjoy the process because it's not, you're not always going to want to do it. You know? You're not always going to want to do it. But um, if you know that you're at least going to enjoy it when you're in it, then it makes the, uh, the process a lot easier. Definitely. Well, talking about a journey, um, where did your journey start as far as fitness is concerned? Did you have any sports that you played when you were younger or any activity that you enjoyed in particular? Yes. So before I dive into exactly what my sport was, my main sport growing up, because like I said, I now have new sports, but I grew up chubby and I got picked on a lot. I got bullied a lot. So my mom forced me into sports or movements, you know, whatever you want to categorize them in. And I hated them. I hated them. She used play softball. I, I played soccer. I swam because I, you know, she didn't want me to get bullied and picked on. Um, and she wanted me to get healthy, you know. And so I just, I just hated it. And I was like, I hate exercise. And then right then and there, I labeled it. I hate exercise. And that wasn't true. Um, I just did not enjoy the sports that I was placed into. But I find power in that alone because what I've learned is that in order to have clarity on what you do want, you sometimes have to go through unfortunate experiences of things that you don't want. Like, that's how I knew. I don't like softball. (laughs) I don't like (laughs) soccer. I don't like live football. Um, And so as I kept doing this trial and error, um, like this discovery thing, I finally um, found ice hockey. And um, I know I came from Florida, and it's so crazy to, to say, like, you played ice hockey in Florida. But um, I played ice hockey, and I played it for nine years, and I played all the way through college. I finally fell in love. I found this sport at the age of 12, and I played, and I was really good at it, and it was just effortless. And I was, you know, it's all I wanted to do. And um, so I think once I found that, what I, when I, you know, you can't give up. you got to keep searching for something that, like, that you love. And, mm-hmm. um, and until you find that, like that, I'm like, wow, I love exercise. It was such a huge dynamic of, I hate exercise and labeling it like that when that wasn't true. Um, but then coming to this, I'm like, I love it. I like, that's all I wanted to do all the time growing up. And so, um, you know, and from there I learned to get into strength training and then it kind of like led into other things, but, um, that was my main thing from like early, um, you know, preteen all the way through, you know, my early, um, my early twenties. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was, uh, that was a really cool experience and to share that was pretty, uh, pretty nice. Yeah, and like, I'm always trying to connect like your childhood experiences to the way you work out now. And it's, it's definitely, visible in your workouts that that's see you doing is that the way you like to move a lot laterally, which is, is something that obviously you do a lot in hockey. So like having your, your workouts kind of represent the way you move when the activities that you enjoyed when you were younger. So that's, that's something that I'm always trying to incorporate in, into my clients' workouts in order to kind of make the yeah. workout more enjoyable for them. 
And that's so interesting you point that out because actually now my new sport is salsa dancing. And if you think about it, it's gliding, right? You're on the ice, mm-hmm. gliding. I mean, I'm not shooting anybody with a, with a hockey stick or a puck, you know, but, but I'm gliding and I'm stepping. And I also love right now I rollerblade. So, mm-hmm. it's like you know, and you're absolutely right. I didn't realize that. And when I am in the gym, I'm doing my strength training. I do love a lot of cable work. So a lot, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like any impact. I don't like to jump. I don't like mm-hmm. to be thrown at me. I don't like to throw things. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you make a great point. You make a great point. That's so interesting. Awesome. And do you do you know what turned you off those other sports? Was it was it an experience, or was it just the the, the team aspect of it, or, or not having a team aspect? Or can you pinpoint what what made you dislike those other sports? I think I think you made such a great point. Um, you know, that was like a pit, an epiphany. Um, you know, I know we're going to get epiphany, but that was like an epiphany on its own when you had mentioned that because I think that we're all kind of born with a way our body likes to move and it just wasn't pleasurable for me. And I think that's enough, enough said enough to like justification of saying, I just don't like it and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And you just, you don't need to explain it any further. I just like, it. And I've had come and I've done assessments with people before and they're like, I just don't like this movement. And I said, no problem. Maybe that's not the person for me, for you, because this is the way that I coach. This is the way that I enjoy to coach because we coach in a certain way that we like. And so I'll refer them to somebody else. And, mm-hmm. um, I think that I just, I just, my body did not like that movement. And I had to really, um, learn what she was trying to communicate to me in order for me to get on the right path of where I do belong, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And so so now you started with hockey. At what age exactly did you start? Well, I have twin brothers, and they played hockey a couple of years before I did, and I would always watch them, and I just loved it. I loved it. But because uh-huh. I would quit so many sports, my parents really resisted for me to um, just throw me into it because it is a very expensive sport. And, uh-huh. um, and so I... I did start, I actually started with my first skates and stuff like that, probably at 12. So it was right okay. before, yeah, I was like 12 years old. Okay, but and you mentioned it. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I just remember, like, watching it, like, before I did it for a while, um, and I was just, I knew that I loved it, like, before I started. So I do remember that, actually. I remember watching my brothers, <laughs> and I was like, in love, but I never liked watching it on TV. I ne- and I never have liked watching sports on television. Um, no matter how much I was into my sport, because I played travel, I traveled the world, and I played, and um, I never, yeah, I never could, but I knew that I loved it when I saw it. So that's, mm-hmm. that actually I, I just remembered. Okay. And you mentioned that your mom tried to get you into sports in order to um, have you lose um, some weight or being able to to um, not be a chubby kid, as you mentioned earlier, anymore. So was that your goal as well at that age, or were you just trying to to play in order to play? I mean, I think at that age, you kind of feel like you don't have a choice. (laughs) You're like like 10 or 9, and your parents like, I'm getting you into sports. I mean, what are you going to say? You know, you're a kid. You kind of have to do what your parents say. It's like authority, you know, until you get to a certain age where you're like, you know what, I do have an opinion. 
I do have a voice. My opinion matters. I don't like this. But I'm a completion person, and whenever I start something, I have to finish. So I would finish a season, and then I'd be like, I'm not doing this anymore. I would never, like, quit halfway through. But what I've learned, there's a book called um, something about mice, and it was about, like, when I, I read this, like, in my early 20s, and, and I realized, like, if you really, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, it's okay to quit because you're actually saving yourself time. Because mm-hmm. this way, you can go, you can go and experience something more pleasurable um, versus wasting all this time or generating all this energy into something that you don't enjoy. You know what I mean? Like, why do you want to keep living life not enjoying things? So, if mm-hmm. right then and there, you know that you don't enjoy a particular movement or a particular food or whatever that you're consuming, then right then and there, stop and know that, okay, I don't like this, so what are my other options? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. But what I was also asking is, did you feel like you were playing the sports in order to lose weight, or was it just playing the sports in order to play sports? So was, uh, was there a weight loss component for you, I, for yourself? Yeah, I mean, definitely, because who wants to be made fun of? You know, who wants to feel like they don't belong and they don't fit in and it's because of you don't look like everybody else and it's because you're chubby or you're fat or whatever. So, of course, it's going to, like, well, maybe if I if I was thinner, people would like me. Maybe if I was thinner, people would accept me. Maybe I would fit in. Maybe I would belong. Maybe I would have, you know, a community or support system or something. And so... I mean, nobody ever, you know, wakes up and is like, oh, yeah, I really want to be unhealthy and fat and not belong and not matter. And so that was a, definitely a huge component um, to me, giving it a shot, you know. Mm-hmm. I did not enjoy it <laughs> until later on. So. Okay. And when did you first see any results in you losing weight? Uh, once I found what I loved, once I really um, emerged myself into um, something that I really enjoyed, um, I no longer numbed myself with food because when I was still doing sports and I was active, um, as we know, you can exercise as much as you want. And if you're abusing food and you're disconnected from your body, you're not going to show proof with your body changing, right? Am I right, Claudia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, so as I was younger, um, I would go home and then I would like sneak candy and stuff like that. And I mean, that was definitely the result of my me being disconnected or quote unquote chubby or quote unquote overweight was because I was numbing my emotions, my pain, my anger, um, you know, with, with food because I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. I was enjoying my, my day-to-day routine. And once I found the sport that I loved is when my body started changing because I was no longer needing something to numb me because I was happy, you know, mm-hmm. you understand? So mm-hmm. I think that was the biggest the biggest result. And of course, too, you know, I was a child. And so I was, um, you know, hormonal. And as women, you know, you awesome, you get your period, whatever, and then you lose the baby fat and you, and everything mm-hmm. kind of, you know, and I was very active and then I started, because I was active, I wanted to be a better performer. So I started changing my nutrition and then, you know, all that other fun stuff. Yeah. And then it's so true how, how things snowball once you find something that's actually enjoyable, like all the other things start to fall in place because now you want to support 
the thing that, that that brings you that joy, like you said, you try to support your sport. So obviously you're going to try to be as fit as possible trying to do your sport. So that turns into eating better and, and all the other things starting to kind of fall in place. So that's so true that if you find yeah. something that you really like, all the other things that support that will fall in place. And, and that's how you really be able to, to turn into a healthy person as opposed to just focusing on weight loss or, or whatever specific goal you have. Absolutely. And the biggest thing, too, is, is I'm going to add to the shift of focus. I wasn't focusing on, you know, my weight. I shifted my focus and distracted it from weight to performance. Mm-hmm. And that was a huge, you know, emotional release because, you know, then I could, you know, like you said, you shift that focus. And that mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, that was a big thing, too. Yeah, and you mentioned, um, so I know from your background that you, you mentioned that you had an eating disorder. So how did that come about when you when you were growing up? Was that something that started really early, like in your teens, or was it like when did you develop that? Yeah, so, I mean, that's a great question. Um, most, uh, the eating disorder that I have, because there's all different categories, um, I had binge eating disorder. So a lot of these things you're going to see kind of develop at young, young childhood ages because it doesn't just form out of nowhere as an adult. People think it comes out of nowhere, but it stems with little behavioral patterns with children and then, you know, um, kind of escalates and then there's a tipping point where it actually becomes a full blown out thing. Not always, but most of the time, hopefully it doesn't, but um, for me, it was, uh, it, you know, started as a, at a young age, but it actually escalated into one. So, uh, I played, I played college hockey. So this is going to the next phase. I played college hockey, decided I didn't love it anymore. Right. So what do you do? I didn't love my, I didn't, this is like all I knew. Like this was what gave me purpose. It gave me excitement and joy and I didn't like it anymore. It felt like a job. I was in college. I was like, you know what? Um, what am I going to do? You know, as an athlete, when you play, you know, you're an athlete. You're like, what mm-hmm. am I going to do? And I mm-hmm. impressed with that. And so what I decided to do, because I was um, making, because, you know, my main sport was hockey. So I was, you know, strength training. I had personal trainers. Um, and I loved it. And I was like, well, you know what? I love, pers- I love training. So, um, you know, one of the trainers was like, hey, you know, you're really fit. And, and I was. I was super fit and I was super happy and confident. He's like, why don't you get into bikini comp- uh, competitions? And I was like, well, what's that? He's like, well, this is like a sport. You know, you train, you're training anyway. It's about eating healthy, you eat healthy anyway. And then you just get a bikini, you pose, whatever. I was like, oh, all right. That sounds interesting. I mean, I do this stuff anyway and I love it. I love strength training. I love, you know, eating healthy and learning more about like fitness and becoming a better version of myself. So let me try it out. Tried it out. And uh, my first show was at 19. And so um, I was still in school, so a huge stress load, work, work load, whatever. And I did it and I just wasn't I didn't do it correctly. I didn't have the right guidance. I didn't have the right support. I had not, I knew nothing about competing and I was over exercising. I was under eating. Everything became a number, a measurement, uh, this many calories were weighing you every week. Um, you know, yada, yada, yada. And it, it was just, it was it started to mentally consume me. So because of all of the, the restrictions and, and the overwork and under eating, after I competed, I'm like, okay, well, now what am I supposed to do? Like, all right, we'll just 
eat what you want. And so I just, I started ended up binging and I couldn't stop. And, I, and it, you know, one binge meal ended up being two and then three and then a whole day and every day and every day became an every day. And you just spiral into this huge depression and you just have no control. You have your, your body is gaining literally like pound, like a pound or pounds, like every single day. It's insane. And it's mm-hmm. really scary. And, um, and so that's kind of like, that's what escalated it was, um, because, you know, I'm not saying all competitors have happened. I just said I didn't have the right support. I went in there, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. And this is like over 10 years ago, you know, and, um, and so it was just, you know, not a great experience, but it was a gift. And I, you know, I think that, uh, it's definitely made me who I am today, but that's where, did that answer your question of like where yeah. like kind of escalated yeah, definitely. And stuff like that? Yeah, yeah so. definitely. And and you made a great point in that you said you, you were so focused on trying to accomplish your goal that you almost became obsessed, I guess you could call it. And and that's what I've seen a lot of a lot of my clients, a lot of people in general who are trying to have a fitness goal, they become so obsessed with that goal that they're not necessarily doing all the things that are healthy in order to get to that goal in a, in a healthy way, but they're just trying to focus on getting at the quickest way, which sometimes is, or most of the time, it's not necessarily the healthiest way. So that I see that in a lot of people where, where they just focus so much on the goal that they have that they're not looking at the process and not looking at what it's doing to them in the, in the process while developing yeah. other kind of disorders. And there, and you know what, honestly, and there's no rush. There really isn't. And, um, because I think if I would have done that, I would have taken my time. I would have been like, you know what? This doesn't feel right. I'm not happy. Um, and maybe sought out a different coach or a different support system or, you know, didn't have to hit it at that time. Um, I definitely wouldn't have, I mean, I don't know if I wouldn't have, but like, I'm not going to try to change anything because it, it's a gift. I have the knowledge that I do today, but. Um, you have to enjoy the process. And if you're not, that's just a red flag telling you you're not in the right direction. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you made a great a great point with that. Mm-hmm. And so do, during that time, what did you struggle? Like, how were you able to get out of that? Like, what did you struggle with the most that kind of kept bringing you back to that binge eating? And how were you able to, to get well, rid of that? Well, that, that was a whole huge long story, but I'm going to try to make it as short as possible. Um, it has been an ongoing journey. You know, um, it didn't happen overnight. Um, when I was going through it, like I said, it was over 10 years ago, um, maybe like 12 years, 13 years ago, um, I had, it wasn't classified as an eating disorder. So I know that they have all these like, um, you know, eating anonymous programs and this and that now, but I didn't have any, I had no support. I had, you know, I remember calling my mom and like, mom, I'm so scared. Like I, I have no control. I'm like eating and I can't stop. And I don't know what's wrong with me. Like what's wrong with me. And I just wanted answers and I wanted help. Nobody can help me. Nobody gave me any answers. And, um, you know, I just kind of, I lived like that for like three years. Right. And I, Mm -hmm. and it was, it was like just a huge depression. I was like so depressed and I just, I mean, I even stopped exercising for a while and that's something that I really enjoyed because I was embarrassed to go to the gym. I was embarrassed to be seen because, you know, people just saw me. I was so fit and this and that on top of the world. And then I was like, you know, look 
like crazy. I gained 60 pounds um, of, of fat. Yeah. I gained 60 pounds and it was really unhealthy. And, um, my skin was all broken out. I was just a mess. Cause then I, then I became a skin picker because, you know, it's another, another addiction. And so I kind of lived like this until the age of 22. I'm still kind of, you know, finished graduated school and got a job, whatever. And I just, I didn't even recognize who I was. I had no idea. I just was, I don't even know. I was like a zombie. And, um, at 22, I'm like, you know what? I remember I like ate a whole box of like those big granola boxes that are like 12 servings. I just eat one of those whole things. I just binged on it. And I was, and I was like, you know what? I'm so tired of feeling sick. I'm so tired of feeling like this. And that day, like at 22, I remember it so clearly. I'm like, I'm not dieting anymore because I kept trying to diet. You know, then I went on the Weight Watchers and I went on, you know, this Atkins and I all throughout those last couple of years, I just try, I tried to do what I did for my show. Nothing worked. And I was like, you know what? I'm not dieting anymore. I don't care if I look like this. I'm going to learn to love myself. I'm going to learn to feel good. I'm going to learn what it is to be healthy. And I'm just going to trust myself because nothing else has worked. And at that age is when my healing began. And so it's been a very long journey. You know, I stopped putting deadlines on myself. I stopped um, weighing myself. I stopped anything with numbers and scales and measuring my food and all that other stuff. I stopped it. I just um, trusted my body, started understanding mindful eating, intuitive eating, started studying a lot. Um, I got back and learning, like, uh, what movements resonate with my body. I stopped telling myself, like, I, I have to, you know, uh, lift heavy and this. And I just, I just did what I felt my body needed and trusted the process and trusted myself. And when that point where I, where I started to accept what was and I started to create more purpose for purposeful goals, uh, again, from the inside, intrinsic goals, not extrinsic goals. So goals from the inside, not the outside. I started mm-hmm. healing and it's been a process of the last, you know, every, you know, uh, feeling my relationship with food mainly because I never really had an issue with exercise. I could easily jump back into that. But it was more of an embarrassment thing, but it was more of my relationship with food and with self. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, now I feel really healthy. And of course, every once in a while I have, now I have my toolbox temptation, vulnerability, but I know myself so well that I now don't place myself in those situations. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's so interesting how you mentioned, like, that, that day when you decided, like, this is enough, which is a lot of times when people are trying to exercise, uh, they they go in it, like, half-heartedly sometimes, and, and then they feel like, oh, I'm, I'm not good at this, and I, I don't know what's wrong with me, why, why can't I do the things that I want to do? But a lot of times, in order to to make change, it, it takes pain in order to to, cat, to catapult you into the direction of change. So if you if things are going all right and and they're not perfect, but they're not so bad either, then it doesn't really motivate you to to change at all. What really motivates people is when they have so much pain that they can't stand it anymore. That there's no other way but to change in order to get rid of that pain. So that's that's a lot of times. It, great motivator in all the interviews I've done so far, like that was always the catalyst for people to, to change was a great pain that they just couldn't, couldn't bear anymore. 
Yeah, that's true. And I know you talked about earlier about mentors. You just reminded me, he's not a fitness mentor, but he's definitely um, a behavioral mentor because I've been seeing a lot of behavioral. So this is behavioral, you know, um, understanding self, your behaviors, your patterns, your habits, your thought process. It's Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. And he talks a lot about, you know, pain and reward and pain and reward. And that definitely is a big, a big one um, when it comes to change. And I agree with you. And I know he's been my mentor for that, for that segment. And he talks a lot about that too, but it's just so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same patterns all the time, different stories, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you also mentioned on um, the intrinsic goals and extrinsic goals. Could you explain to people who might not quite understand what you mean by that? Like what, how, what you would qualify as intrinsic as opposed to extrinsic goal? Oh, absolutely. Um, so this is something I try to set with myself and also other people I come across. But um, what I discovered through personal success of overcoming an extreme and also working with other people and just testing it, because we're always testing, you know, and something works all the time. You're like, oh, I think I got something. So what I've learned about goal setting is an intrinsic goal is more defined by feeling, like identifying um, how how you want to feel in your body. So it's not something that's like a tangible. It's something more based on like um, a feeling. Um, there's this book that I'm reading and it's called The Felt Sense. And it talks a lot about, you know, how people say we have different senses, like we have seeing and hearing. Well, there's another sense that's not talked about and it's called the felt sense, like a feeling, right? So an intrinsic mm-hmm. goal is more based on like, for example, I'm going to share my personal um, intrinsic goals with you. Um, okay, so I've identified a couple of them. One is to have good digestion. I've learned a huge correlation between digestion and fat loss. Um, and mm-hmm. especially too, because it's, if you think about like we talked about earlier, when I talked about my success of playing ice hockey and, um, and generating my um, focus towards performance versus like you know, a number, um, that's more of intrinsic, extrinsic. So I want to have good digestion. So I'm focusing on my performance as for function, right? For, for physical mm-hmm. function to have great digestion because at the end of the day, I want to feel good in my body. So another intrinsic mm-hmm. goal is to feel good. I want to feel good physically for my body. I don't want to feel constipated. I don't want to feel bloated or heavy or you know, anything like that. I want to feel good. I want to have clear thinking. So these are more like realistic, internal, intrinsic goals. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the extrinsic goals are more of like, for example, a number on a scale. Like I want to weigh 120 pounds and I want to be at 12% body fat and, um, you know, like things like that. Like you can't control when they're going to happen or how they're going to happen. Usually, you know, if you don't hit them, you're going to get discouraged and you can't control it today. So I try to always focus on like my intrinsic goals being something that I can, I can um, have control over today. I can decide if I'm going to feel good or not based on what I put into my body and how I move my body. And if I'm getting enough water and if I'm sleeping properly, the people that I engage in conversations with, are they draining or are they invigorating? You know, like, am I inspired or am I drained? you know, all of that stress, whatever. But, um, so that's kind of how I would identify, um, of giving examples of intrinsic or more things that you can control on a day-to-day basis. The extrinsic are more of like, you know, I mean, they are realistic goals. You know, if you try hard enough, you can get there, but it's something that's kind of like, you know, you you can't really, it's like an outside goal and people are more likely Mm -hmm. to get 
um, discouraged with setting extrinsic goals, like numbers and stuff like that, versus things Mm -hmm. based on feelings. Because um, if they don't reach it, it's like, what's the point? You know, and a lot of people with weight loss who are on a weight loss journey or transformation journey, they've definitely come to that mindset of what's the point? I try so hard. What's the point? I might mm-hmm. as well just not try. Like, I'm not seeing results. I'm not seeing, I'm seeing little results, but I'm never going to get there. It's so, mm-hmm. like, far away, you know. But yeah, so by setting, setting goals, like, or, you know, setting even a goal, like, you know, like those little things, like, you can definitely, it's more um, empowering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, the see that in so many people, they get frustrated and, and like what I've discovered with the interviews I've done so far is you only achieve or get closer to your goal by, by continuing on your journey. Like people give up after three months, six months, whatever it might be. And they never really get to their full potential because they just stopped in between. And a lot of times I see that because they get frustrated and because like you said, you can't control a goal. You can't control an outcome. So you can't say, I'm, I'm going to lose 20 pounds and this is just going to happen. I mean, there's other factors that go into it. So you can never control the outcome. The only thing you can control is behavior. So by, mm-hmm. by setting your goal to be a certain behavior, that helps you to achieve your overall goal by, by just keep following that behavior because that behavior ultimately will lead you to your goal. But just looking at the outcome itself, like it might seem like you never get there or get there not fast enough. And, and that's a lot of times when people give up and, and stop their healthy routine altogether. Oh, absolutely. And everybody's, you know, behavioral goals are different from everyone else's. So the biggest key too is identify how do I want to feel? What are my intrinsic goals? And let them be truthful, you know, and honest and take your time with them. You know, and everybody might be similar, you know, they might be a little bit different, but I always like to say, try to identify at least like three to five and, you know, write them down, write them down and keep them close to you. Let them go off in your phone, you know, and um, to remind you, because we need to constantly be reminded. So, yeah. Yay. so how do you get your clients to kind of follow follow that behavior instead of falling into the trap of of setting a weight goal or or something that that might not be um motivational to them like i know we talked about a little bit before the show like little mind tricks little things you do with them that that help them stay on the journey yeah, gosh, there's, like, so much that goes into it. I mean, like, there's like I'm creating a whole academy on that right now, like, 13 weeks. And there's so many things. But, I mean, the biggest thing, if we're talking about, like, what my strategies are for helping people when I first meet them is I first have to gain their trust. And, I mean, most of the time people don't even trust themselves, let alone an expert. And so... The first thing, you know, if I'm going to give any mind, mindset tool is, um, you know, a lot of times people, you tell them to do one thing, they want to naturally rebel. Not like consciously, but subconsciously. So, um, I mean, I give them what they want. I know it sounds really crazy, but I do measurements with them. I, I, my initial meeting with somebody, I will give them what they want because then, then you at least have them like near you. you, you have their attention, you know, and you brought, like we talked about pain, you brought so much pain, like this is what you want to see. This is where you're at. Are you happy? 
And I'm like, okay, this is a very big, this is very discouraging right now. So, um, and most of the times that people come to me because I work with a very specific group of people who have very similar story to my own, um, you know, I just ask them like, well, what have you done in the past? And usually they've done all these other diet programs out there. And so I'll be like, well, if I were to give you exactly what you're asking me to give you, you're not going to succeed. I'm telling you right now, you're going to continue on this same pattern. Now, if you're serious about the work and you're serious and you really do want to change and you want results, I'm just asking you to clear your mind from everything that you've learned in the past. And I ask that you give this a shot for the next three months and just trust the process. And trust is such such a hard thing and it's such a you know, a very uh, sensitive word because like I mentioned earlier, you know, I didn't trust myself for a very long time, let alone wanting to trust other people, especially when you've been disappointed over and over and over again. So the biggest thing is, you know, learning how to get people to trust you, whether it being, you know, I share my story because then people feel like, okay, well, she hasn't always been fit. She's gone through the process. So maybe I should listen to what she says. And sometimes it just takes a little bit of time. So it's it's such a, a little bit of a tricky question to ask, but um, but a mind tool for somebody for this process I can give is an affirmation if you want to hear it. Oh, definitely. Okay, so one of the, the powerful affirmations, I'm really, really um, an advocate of affirmations. Affirmations are just set intentions. They're deliberate goals, focus, whatever. It's just a word. Whatever word generates an emotion, whatever. I call them... I just call them uh, an intention, okay, an affirmation, whatever you want to call it. But something Mm -hmm. that I have people repeat over and over again, this is one of a a powerful thing that I would ask myself all the time that really helped me throughout my healing process was this one question or was it a statement kind of question. And um, it's, I can can eat whatever I want, all right? So you, you let go of the burden. I can eat whatever I want. I can exercise any way I want. I can do what I want. So right then and there, it's like you eliminate the pressure, right? Because that's a big thing mm-hmm. people have on them, pressure. I'm not there yet. I'm not good enough. I'm whatever. Just eliminate that pressure. So I can eat whatever I want, but how do I choose to feel? And I think that's so powerful on its own because people can then feel empowered so it's not, so us as coaches, clients, right, we're not here to like manipulate, I mean, manipulate, we're just here to kind of like be guidance counselors and to kind of show people their truth, to show people their happiness, to show people how to reconnect with the self, how to trust the self, how to enjoy the process, right? And so that's mm-hmm. a big thing that had really helped me heal my relationship with this transition and with food and with exercise and whatever. I can do whatever I want, Okay. And that just make that clear. But how do I choose to feel? How do I want to feel? And so that's kind of like, you know, feeling that empowerment. And um, I know I know that kind of went off for the, the question, but that was a mindset no, that's, that helped. No, that's, that's exactly what it's supposed to be. I mean, it's, <laughs> the, brain, but, the brain is so powerful and, and being able to manipulate it in certain ways by talking to yourself and, like you said, self-affirmation and doing things that – kind of get you to, to where you want to be and get your brain to follow. Because if, if your brain ain't in it, you, you're never going to be able to overpower it to get to wherever you want to go. So it's so important to make sure that your mind is in it and that you're going, going in the right direction as far as your head is concerned. So it's yeah, definitely... and I know that's definitely been one of the most um, consistently empowering 
question statements that I've given to people and I've seen the huge result with it and they the, the feedback that I've gotten from it has been so um, some powerful. So I always share it with as many people as I can. That really helped me a lot. But I mean, there's so many different things to get into with the whole mindset. We could do like a whole webinar on mindset tricks, you know, but that, I think if I were to start with any of them, I would start with that one. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, we we starting to get to the end of the podcast, so I want to make sure that um, people have a chance to to figure out where can they find out more about your webinar or any of the other things that you do that you offer, and where can they find you? Oh, awesome! Okay, so um, I send out um, blogs every Sunday at nine a.m. and that's a you know I try to form a community because that's something I didn't have, and I feel that. Any type of support is really important, finding a place of support and community and space. So um, people can go over to tanyasilva.com to enter their name and email and just get free information every Sunday. Um, I started a – I just launched – I'm launching a book in August, and they can get more information. I'm sending out free recipes right now um, once a week over at Diet Junkie without the I. So it's D-I-E-T-J-U-N-K-E.com and get free recipes on just enjoying food, enjoying what you eat, having a, you know, loving relationship with food and making it fun and enjoyable, just like we talked about with movement. So those are two places we can start with. And, yeah, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure sharing with you, and it's been an honor to be on here. Thank you so much for having me. No, this was awesome. And I'll definitely link to all those in the show notes on the website. So that way, if people miss some of this right now, they're going to be able to just click on it and, and get there. So we're definitely going to link to all your resources. And thank you so much for being on. I, I know it's going to be helpful to a lot of people, especially people with any kind of disorders where they feel they don't know where to go, where to turn. I know that, that you definitely have some information for them to help them out to get on the right track. So, again, thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the FIT Podcast today. I hope that today's session with Tanya helped you realize that it does not have to be a struggle to stay healthy and be fit. To find out more about Tanya's journey and to get more information on where to find resources that can help you on your journey, please go to www.fitcoach.com. Dot com. That is www.fytcoach.com. Until next time, remember, don't just do it, just do you. Thank you for listening to the Fit Diaries podcast. You can find pictures and additional information about today's guest's transformation on www.fitcoach.com.